Today on Truth Encounter, Dave Wurtzen begins with some teasing about growing old, but he goes on to reveal the mystery of eternal youth. You can check out his sources for yourself by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and following. Here's Dave for the conclusion of God's mystery. You say, man, I'm getting old and the wrinkles are coming, everything's coming. Don't worry. It's just preparation time. You're just on the launching pad. It's fine. I mean, the earthly body you've got right now is just a, it's just a shell. Man, alive, God is just beginning to get things off the ground for you. So you can age gloriously. You can just keep this body going just as long as you can because you're going to get a brand new one. Do you believe that? Oh, I just pray that you'll have the gift. There's some humble, simple, childlike believers that believe that. And because they believe it, as they grow older, they're sweeter and they're kinder and they're more useful for God. And they're such an encouragement to me in the pastorate because their faith is such an eloquent testimony of what faith can do. Because it's reality. Some of you that are intellectual say, no, I'm going to live just for now. Boy, I'm going to keep this body going. You need to keep it going, but don't depend on it. It's not going to last forever. And you can fight it all you want to, but it'll eventually get the best of you unless you've got a new gift inside where your spirit is being renewed again and again every day. God's going to glorify your personality, glorify your character. He's going to rub away all the rough edges and turn you into a beautiful person. How many of you have had trouble, a little bit of trouble, just an insy bit of trouble with some of your relatives? You ever notice that one of the biggest Mars that we're not totally Christ-like yet? You ever notice that? Frank and I laugh. Family living in its best. You know, the house is a shambles. The kids are fighting. Little, the adults get their feelings hurt. Boy, isn't that great. Real, honest-to-goodness family living. But there's a little touch in there. Every once in a while, there's little glimmerings of Christ-likeness where someone does an unselfish thing, where somebody just has pure joy, where someone just is really thankful. And that's what heaven's going to be. Just multiply that by a million, million times and you're going to be in a world that makes Christmas look like it was the most bummer time you can ever imagine. Take your most glorious holiday and multiply it by a million, million times. And that's just the beginning of what God has planned for you. And I'm not just tickling your ears. You need to believe that. Oh, I wish I could get you to enter into the freedom of really believing God and realizing that this wisdom that needs to be taken from the perspective of eternity, it's a plan that was a secret in the mind of God. It's a plan that was conceived before this present age. It's a plan that involves the glorification of those who trust the crucified Messiah. If you and I could really believe in God, we'd be free. You'd be free of worry. You'd be free to face yourself, what's really going on inside of you. You'd be free to get along with one another. It would just be incredible what God could do if we really believed that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has planned for those who love him. Now, what about the world's wisdom? Let's talk about man's ignorance. I want to share something with you. Those of you that you go away to college, 
A lot of times in a college, you have some groups that are really committed to the kind of wisdom I'm talking about, God's wisdom. But there's another group out there that's really committed to this world's wisdom. And I want you to be very realistic as we enter this, this year. I want you to be very realistic about the powers that be in your company at work. Because a lot of you have been telling me you see a tremendous conflict between the way I teach you Sunday morning and the way the world operates on Monday morning. And I wanted to share with you again, as I have time and time again, I know that. And I want to share with you, I know the world runs differently. I know that politics is different. I know that big business is different. I know that the whole thing is different. And I want to share with you what it's really like. You see, some of you say, okay, Dave, I'm going to depend upon myself. I said to you earlier, go right ahead. In fact, those of you that are going to depend upon yourself are going to do it whether I talk to you or not. And that's why, you know, I have great confidence because some of you will sit there and you won't hear a word that I say. Some of you go, man, what a big waste. Man, my wife dragged me off to this church again. Or my husband dragged me out to church. It's Christmas time. I got to go to church. There's a whole lot of people that are still slipping, sleeping. They're slipping, too. But you know what God says about that? He knows you're going to do that. Now, I want to share something with you. You can get angry. You say, well, maybe he knows it all that I'm not responsible. God says, oh, yes, you are responsible. Because you willfully choose to reject him. Now, let's look at what this passage says about what that world is like. It says that God is destroying the wisdom of the world. Look at it, it says, but, but not the wisdom of the sage or of the rulers of the sage, in verse 6, who are coming to nothing. I love to run a campaign. The campaign that will, is guaranteed to produce nothing. Can't you imagine that? I promise. Can you imagine running for office and saying, I'll tell you what, the whole thing is going down. All of these governments, all these nations, the whole thing is going down. But with integrity and with honesty, I will seek to do the best that I can to try to keep the ship afloat a little bit longer so that God can continue his program in getting the gospel out. But let's be very realistic. We're not going to solve all the problems because the whole thing is going down. How many of you think you get elected like that? If you ever hear someone like that, vote for him. Because they're telling you the honest-to-goodness truth. And I want to really challenge you. This is very important because some of you get all hyped up. I want you to be good citizens. I really do want you to be good citizens. You need to vote. And you need to be involved. And as believers, you need to invade the secular marketplace. But please don't ever trust in the secular marketplace. You've got to realize that the kingdom of this world is exactly that, the kingdom of this world. And the best thought of the kingdom of this world, you know what it did? The best thought that the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of this world did, was crucify the Messiah. Some of you say, I run my life by expediency. You know, you have to play the odds. You have to be sure, you know, you've got to keep your career going and therefore you need to deceive a little bit. You need to lie a little bit. If a person's innocent, but if it would cost you your job, sometimes you have to sacrifice an innocent person to make it go. And after all, if I keep climbing up the ladder, just think of what I can do for this church family. You know where that thinking led? That's exactly the way Pilate thought. 
When Jesus stood before Pilate, you know why he crucified him? Not because he thought he was a criminal. Not because he thought he was guilty. You know this story as well as I do. Pilate, a Roman, and the Roman political system, their, their number one priority was justice, ideally. That's what Rome was supposed to be about, a judicial law code. Roman law. Our law courts are still supposedly based upon Roman law. So we had a Roman governor appointed by the Caesar with the most innocent man that ever lived. You know what secular wisdom does? I got to save my neck. I got to keep my career going. If I don't turn this guy over to the Jews, they'll squeal on me to Caesar. They're going to say that I said this man, that I tolerated a man who said he was a king. Man, I've got to go ahead and do it, even though I know he's innocent. And I want to challenge you. If you enter into secular thinking, you'll end up exactly the same place. And so will I. You say, I live for expediency. I, I watch the odds. I do what's going to make it go in this life. And you'll crucify innocent people. It's guaranteed. Some of you are very religious. So were the Jewish leaders. They wanted to keep their temple. They wanted to preserve their building. Jesus was shaking the foundations of the temple. They were just scared to death that Jesus would cause a tremendous movement among the Jewish people. The Romans would come down. They would conquer Jerusalem because Jesus made such a mess out of the things and got everything into a crisis. And so Caiaphas, the high priest, said, we're going to have to sacrifice one innocent man so that the whole nation can live. Human expediency. And so the religious leaders of the day, willfully and thinking it through, planned and plotted to murder somebody. Now, I want you to think very hard about it. That's what your business is like. That's what the government is like. There are forces within it. Not that it's all like that. Because God hasn't allowed it to get totally bad. But it's tinged and it's polluted. And you're never going to find the answer to the deepest needs of the human heart out there in that secular system. You might be in an unbelievable university where everybody looks like they know everything. Cornell University's in the 60s. I almost went there. I came within a hairbreadth of going there. A professor writes, some students took over the dorm, uh, one of the major buildings. They threatened a professor, the president of the school, to save his neck in one of the most world-renowned universities of our day. In order to save his neck, he compromised with the students. They fired some profs. They redesigned the whole curriculum. You see, you don't find the answer in intellectualism. The forces of expediency, of saving my neck, of power, of wanting to have influence, of wanting to have money, of wanting to have all that that will bring. It's underneath this whole system. You know what God says about it? He's bringing it to nothing. I'm asking you to radically think about this. You can become a man or woman of faith who have a childlike dependency upon the revelation of God it doesn't mean you're not skillful in your job. It doesn't mean that you don't learn calculus or advanced physics or whatever it takes for you to get ahead. That's not at all what I'm saying. But you don't have the attitude in your heart, I can do this, I can make it go, it all depends upon me, I'm just living for this life, and if I work hard enough, I can do it in this life. You'll end up butchering people if you live that way. 
You say, oh, no, there's some people that aren't here. There's some families that used to be together. They're not here anymore. Totally blown apart because of pride. I'm going to do it my own way. What we're talking about is very strategic. You see, you can live in the kingdom of this world or you can live in the kingdom of God. You can live for the values of this world or you can live for the values of God. And you need to have, allow the Holy Spirit to give you insight and there's an incredible difference. I want you to get this idea clearly in your mind. God's wisdom is a secret that only He can reveal to you. It's a secret that was determined before time began. It's a secret that, that has to do with your ultimate glorification. And God loves you intimately and wants the very best for you. But there's some people sitting right here today, some children, some teenagers, some adults. You're going to sit here week after week. You're going to go out into life and you're going to live in that kingdom. Even though some people will say, well, man, we've had such good teaching. How do people do the wrong thing easily? Easily you can do the wrong thing. You choose not to receive it. You willfully rebel against it. You don't open your ears to it. You don't allow the Spirit of God to teach it. But there's another group that are going to be like children. They're going to open their heart to receive that revelation of God. They're going to open up their heart to receive the mystery that God wants to not make mysterious to you at all. He wants to open up the secret of his mind and of his heart and reveal it to you. Now, how do we receive this information? How do we receive this insight into God's plan? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, as I look at it, you, now contrary to what a lot of psychologists tell us, and I've read a lot of psych, and I want to share something. If somebody walked into my office, and sometimes this happens if their mom and dad send them, and they don't really want to come. Like if it's a teenager, I've had a teenager come in, just sit there for an hour. I want to share with you, the Lord over the years has given me quite a bit of insight into, into people. But I want to share something. I don't know zilch about what's going on in someone's mind. If a teenager just sits there and goes, I can write all I want to. I can guess all I want to and say, well, they crossed their leg a certain way. They twitched their eye. They giggled or they just sat there in defiance. An adult can do the same thing. There's no way that I can know what's going on inside someone's mind until they talk. And when they talk, if they lie to me, then I still don't know what's going on in their mind. I can take some guesses. But the truth of the matter is, you don't know what's going on inside of my mind, and I don't know what's going on inside of your mind. As I look at you, there's some of you that are looking right at me. You're really paying attention, it looks like, and you haven't heard a word that I said. I know that. And there's some other people that are giggling and shuffling and all kinds of crazy things. And you could give them a test on what I shared and they know the whole thing. See, I know that. I used to get really upset. I used to think the guy that looking at me, boy, you know, they're really paying attention. I used to think they were really with it. I found out years later they might not be with it at all. And some other person that just looks like they're just not getting it. I had a guy in a Sunday school class years ago that used to sit there and go, ugh. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. Right in your class, you'll be teaching. Oh, man. I get through with about 30 minutes, and the guy would nail me. I'd throw it open for questions. The guy would raise his hand and say, oh, Dave. And, it, and he'd ask a question which showed that he not only listened to what I said, but he put it all through the grid and understood it 
and then asked a penetrating question. You see, nobody knows what's in the heart of a man except you. Every one of you know what's going on inside of you relatively today. You know the spirit of a man, the spirit of a woman. You know what's going on inside of yourself. Now, when I share with you something, you know, it's really not that important what's going on inside of you. You know what you really need to find out? What's going on inside the mind of God? You ever ask yourself that? You see, you sit in your little mind and you say, I'm going to figure God out. I think God is like Porky the pig. And you build all your cases like God's like Porky the pig. Well, obviously, that's ridiculous. It's not any more ridiculous than any other ideas you might come up with about God. You see, we sit in our little minds and say, I'm going to try to conceive what God is like. Here I go. Here goes Shirley MacLaine. I read, you know, one of her books. She talks, I just read just a clip out of one of her books. She was talking about Moses and Elijah appearing on the Mount of Transfiguration. And she realized in her mind that God was talking about reincarnation. What an unbelievably twisted approach to the transfiguration. It's not about reincarnation at all. It's about resurrection life. The Bible teaches when you die, you don't cease to exist, but it doesn't teach that you change into a salamander or something. And don't laugh so hard because that's where human wisdom goes. You start out with this intricate science, all this in-depth stuff, and you end up turning yourself into a salamander or a monkey or something. Now, I want to share something with you. The only way you can know what's going on inside of God's mind is for God to talk. The only, only way you can really know. You can't find out what someone's going on in someone else's mind unless they start to talk to you. You can't find out what's going on in God's mind until he talks to you. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul claims God did in this passage as we close. It says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? That's what we've been talking about. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world. That's that autonomous, self-sufficient Spirit that we've been exposing today. But instead, we've received the Spirit which is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us, gifts that God has graciously given to us. This is what we speak, Paul said, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The Apostle Paul is saying that he was an inspired apostle, that the true God of the universe, through the power of the Holy Spirit, breathed through him and enabled him to declare spiritual concepts to us with spiritual words. In verse 14, he closes the passage with this conclusion. The man without the Spirit, that's the man of the world, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments or discerns all things, but he himself is not really figured out by anybody. And then Paul's point that he's been making all morning. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? This is what Paul is saying. He's saying there's a secular man and there's a spiritual man. As we sit here, some of you have been born of the Spirit. 
and there's a part of you that really wants to hear the truth, whether you're a little child, whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult. There's some of you that have really been born of the Spirit, and therefore you have a receiver. In other words, when you open the Word of God or when you hear the Word of God taught, your ears are wide open, your heart becomes alive, the Holy Spirit begins to move in you. But there's another group of people. Maybe your mom and dad make you come every Sunday. You know, maybe they force you as a little kid. And that's that that's wrong. If you're the head of the household, dad, you need to have control of your house. People don't have the right to tell you what's going to go on. You have the right to have them come. But as they come, those that don't really have the spirit, it's a real boring time. You know why it's boring? Because it's like watching a TV show where there's no screen. That's exactly what it's like. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying that there's one group of people that don't have the receiver. You see, right here, right now, there are all kinds of video pictures going on, both good and bad. We wouldn't want to see all of them. But right here, look around. There's, there's unbelievable. Unbelievable. There are preachers preaching in this room right now, not just me. There are probably 10 or 20 preachers that are preaching right at the same moment, right in this room right here. And if you throw, you know, not just video images, you start talking about audio images, and you've probably got 30 or 40 preachers preaching in this room right now. But you look around. Let's look around and see if we can see them. I don't see the other churches around Dallas, but, you know, they're right here. You say, oh, no, they're not. Yes, they are. I could take a TV, put the antenna up, flip it on. And it would start receiving. And I go click, 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 change it to different channels, and we pick up all the video images. And that's the way some of you are. Those of you that are born of the Spirit, you've got the receiver. And all this revelation that God has given, it's come alive to you. Some of you don't have the receiver because you've never received the Spirit. Now, anybody can receive the Spirit. You receive the Spirit just by opening your heart, just by personally believing in Christ. But you can't just know it in your head. It can't just be what mom and dad believed. It can't just be what a brother or sister believes. It's got to be what you believed, really believe in your heart. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, no eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, no heart, no mind, no person inside themselves has come up with this plan. But God has revealed it. And God's plan, the core of it is very simple. Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. I'm going to say those words again. Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Those with receivers just heard it. The Spirit of God says, yes, that's what all the Christmas was about. That's what my life is about. My sins are forgiven. I'm cleansed. The cross of Jesus Christ, it's the most precious event. It's when my sins were washed away. Those of you without receivers go, big deal, sure, I heard that. Who cares? So what? Sure, I know, Jesus died, great. He also rose again. Sure, it's nice. You don't have the receiver. You didn't hear the message. The tragedy is you'll never receive it until you humble your heart. Until you open your heart, because God's very much of a gentleman, and he wants you to respond. Those of you the receiver that say, Christ rose again from the dead, and joy floods over your soul, because you know that nothing can separate you from the love of God 
that's found in Christ Jesus. Those of you without receivers, how do I know whether he rose again from the dead? Who cares if he did rise again from the dead? doesn't make any difference to me, man. I'm into other things. Don't have a receiver. The neat thing about it is God is not willing that any should perish. And though God does plan and determine, he also says, whosoever will to the Lord may come. All you need to do is open your heart and you can receive the receiver, which is the Holy Spirit of God himself, who alone knows the deep things of God. Open your heart to that spirit and the author come to live inside. You say, Dave, how do you know the answer to the mystery of life that you told us that nobody could ever figure it out because the author told me the answer. The author whispered to me and said in his holy word, the answer is Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is found in the cross. The power of a new life comes through the resurrection. I say, Lord, I don't understand it all. I know you don't, but it's true. Keep thinking about it. Open your heart to me, and I'll cause you to understand it more and more and more. Two kinds of people. One person is going to figure it out all themselves, and they'll end up crucifying the Messiah, always killing innocent people in your own worldly, secular wisdom. Another group of people in love with the Messiah, and you'll feed the hungry, you'll clothe the naked, you'll be a force for a totally different kind of a kingdom, a kingdom where the weak will be honored, where the needy will be blessed, where those who weep will be caused to rejoice, a kingdom that has a totally different value structure. And the Spirit of God dwells in our hearts as believers to help us to really understand the good things that God has planned for those who love Him. And we want each of you to be in that group that will receive the benefit of those good plans. I trust that you are celebrating the gift of personal forgiveness He wants to give you. The real mystery is why do so many choose to remain in the darkness of their sin and refuse to trust the Savior who alone can bring the light? two groups of people, one group who pridefully choose to work their way to heaven by their own good works, and the other group who honestly admit the truth about themselves and invite the crucified and resurrected Savior to come into their lives. Which group are you in? Why not talk things over with Christ right now and join the heavenly celebration that will last forever?